How do you express the inexpressible? How do you describe the indescribable? How do you communicate something that can't be captured in words, in song, in art? Well, you try. You search for a way to take that event, that holy night divine, and you do your best with the words you have to tell the story, to come up with the lines and the rhymes and the verse that touch a nerve inside. And that's what we're going to do in this hour of Chris Fabry Live. And here to help us do that is our literary correspondent who has spent her life teaching the power of words, Dr. Rosalie DeRose. I know a lot of you uh, listen. If she's on, you'll listen. And even if you don't listen any other day of the week, you'll listen to Rosie. It's going to be a great hour. And on our Facebook page, I've asked for a simple response And you can call us and answer that today. Think about it. Give me a memorable line or phrase from a poem or hymn or song about Christmas. want to hear from you today. Find out more about us at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. And we thank our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is our producer. Gabby T is in the chair. I think Laura is going to be answering your calls. And Stephanie, got to thank Stephanie who has given in December, I just saw it on the uh, the board yesterday, we're about halfway month through the month of December. We have a ways to go to reach our goal. Would you help us today? Call or click through. I'd love to send you a thank you this month. My new novel, Saving Grayson. I sent a copy to our guest today. I wonder what she thought. We'll find out. Here's the number, 866-953-2279, or go to chrisfabrylive.org. I mentioned Stephanie because she not only gave a gift, she became a Back Fence partner. So she's not going to give just in December. She's going to give in January and February, and she's going to get my Back Fence post tomorrow, a video I send out every Thursday, except for the last two Thursdays at the end of the year. Tomorrow's Back Fence post is with the one, the only Michael Card, who is with us on Monday. And I, at the very end, I asked his favorite poem, and he said, In the Bleak Midwinter. We didn't get to talk about that with him. And on the post, you will hear him talk about that. So, and we're going to talk about it today. So, if you want to see the Back Fence post, sign up to become a partner or give a one time gift at chrisfabrylive.org or call us at 866-95-FABRY. Dr. Rosalie DeRose is a recently retired professor of literature, English, and homiletics at Moody Bible Institute, where she has worked for more than five decades. It's six decades now, isn't it, Rosie? (laughs) No, it's coming into my 55th year. (laughs) 55. Okay, so right at the speed limit. (laughs) She is the author of Unseduced and Unshaken, The Place of Dignity and a Woman's Choices. We have it linked at chrisfabrylive.org. Welcome back. How are you doing, Rosie? I'm doing well. Thank you, Chris, and thank you for having me. The we've talked about we've had you on several years uh, talking about poetry at Christmas time. Last was it last year that you came on and talked about your brother? Two was years year ago. Be- two okay, years two ago. Years. Yes. The loss of your brother, which was a huge, mm-hmm. huge thing, a shock to the system, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, there will always be a hole. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I think, and I said it's indescribable. That's what I think. The poetry that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. What it can do for us on the inside, it will touch a nerve and hit the places, some of the hard places, right? Oh, it, it goes between the lines. I mean, it goes between the lines of your, of your, of 
all your sensations and your mm-hmm. mind. And sometimes you don't even can't quite put words to what it does. I can remember, I always give this illustration. I remember being in seminary at Trinity and doing languages and church history and coming back from all this information. And sometimes I would read T.S. Eliot, who is not easy to understand, and I'm not c- claiming to always understand him, but it would wash over my spirit with mm-hmm. a kind of a a poetic feeling that 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 was kind of healing. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Wash yeah. over your spirit. Yeah. I love that. Um, and now I mentioned, I made mention of saving grace, and I have to ask <laughs> you this. Get, get your grace out of the way. You spent a couple hours reading that story of mine. Thank you for I doing that. I read right through it in, in, I think, three days, and I really <laughs> liked it. I mean, it was terrifying, quirky, sad, infuriating. And of course, I'm at that age where this could happen. So I kept right. trying to think if I should give up my keys to driving. <laughs> it's a it's a terrific book. And I, I really think there are so many people that are going to resonate with it. And even if you're not in the older crowd, the characters surprise you. Um, I was particularly surprised by I forget the name of the guy that took the trip with him and what ended up being the truth about that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Josh. Josh's yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Emerges so, slowly. We can't tell you any more about no. that, but I would love to send you a copy of that again. You can find out at the website. Okay. So let's start with the – this is a poem, the incarnation poem. This is a poem that you use in your classroom, right? Yeah, this has been – I have in every – uh, literature class I teach, well, two of the three, I have a seminal poem. One of is uh, John Donne's sonnet for my course in uh, th- The Theology of Suffering in the novel. But in the uh, Images of Christ in the novel, I have always had this in the syllabus because I think it expresses so powerfully that he was human as well as divine. And uh, John Lex has said it, I think, very well. Should I read it? Please do yeah. that. He did not come a Gnostic holy other, masquerading as a man, dragging a phony body through corruption. Mary labored at his coming, screamed, and when the heavy stable air shocked, he pierced the night with his cries. He grew, bulged his biceps with childish pride, then felt his body change, toughen, turn angular and hard. He felt the pangs of adolescence, and learned to name himself a man. But the dove descended, the unimaginable, God and flesh were one. Oh, oh there is so much in there. there and oh. and the, the piercing cry. The mm-hmm. thing that struck out, stuck out to me, um, because we've talked about this at uh, Jesus at Lazarus' grave, the tears that he cried were not crocodile tears. Mm-hmm. They were not put on tears. They were real, real, tears. real. And it says he didn't masquerade as a man. Yeah. He didn't yeah. just put on a, a suit and play the part. He became like us, right? Yes. And that is one of the hardest things to acknowledge beside his divinity. It's the thing I think my students struggle with the most. In fact, I honestly think it's possible that a percentage of our congregations have dismissed Christ without knowing they have. They they imagined him, as I always say, the, the guy with the long, wavy brown hair, you know, the somber, brooding eyes, and the white robe and the blue towel over the arm. And the in- intent of the class with the novels that I teach is to show the great humanity, Christ types. They're not Christ, but they're Christ types to bring out aspects of his character that— 
they have not really fleshed out well. Yes. Um, I can't remember who said this, but the Max von Sydow played Jesus in one of the older mm-hmm. Jesus movies. Mm-hmm. No, I think it was Philip Yancey who said that the way that he portrayed him was Jesus on Prozac, that you know it just dulled everything. everything. He was just kind of walking through with no mm-hmm. expression, no nothing on his face. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, a dig at anybody who's on medication. It's just no. a way to describe this is not who Jesus was. He was touched by our infirmities. He was fully engaged fully rather engaged. than just kind of, okay, I'm, I'm going through here now, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, and I think when we read the Gospels freshly and really think about who he was in the narratives, he becomes alive. But we have to do that and overcome the part of the overfamiliar, which sometimes reading a novel which has a Christ type in it besides Scripture will then bring him in. It has certainly affected me tremendously. Because it will make you ask questions. Yeah. Of, okay, what was this really like? And the whole thing of, you know, no crying he makes. Well, in that, in yeah, that poem, I know. The, the heavy stable air, he pierced the night with his cries. Yes. Yeah. And so did and so did Mary. This was not just a lot easier because you're giving birth to the Son to of the God. To the Son of right? God, exactly. Yeah. All right, that's Rosalie de Rose. We're going to have a great time today, and I'm going to invite you to join us. But I've also got a special guest who's coming up in our next segment. You have to hear from this fella. Here's our number, 877-548-3675. More with Rosie and our mystery guest straight ahead on Moody Radio. Dr. Rosalie DeRose is joining us today for our annual literary foray into all things Incarnation, all things Advent, all things Christmas. And I have here on my desk a gorgeous book called Journey to Bethlehem, a treasury of classic Christmas devotionals written by Dr. Leland Riken. And Dr. Riken was on with us just before Thanksgiving, we're doing the same thing. We were talking about poetry and prose about Thanksgiving We mentioned this book, but I just had to have him back again. He is uh, the author of more than 50 books on biblical and literary topics, the literary editor of the ESV Bible, emeritus professor of English at Wheaton College, and both Rosie and I uh, adore. (laughs) We thank, we are so grateful. Dr. Riken, how are you doing today? I am okay. Let me just say Rosie is a towering figure to me. I'm honored to be on the same program. (laughs) I feel very much the same way. In fact, Dr. Riken, I'm always a little intimidated because I know I've been bested, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to ask you about, first, about that word Bethlehem. There is something evocative just about saying that word, Dr. Riken. Do you agree? Oh, I agree. I love the uh, Christmas carol, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. Mm. And then in Journey to uh, Bethlehem, Bernard of Clairvaux has an absolutely Mm. wonderful meditation celebrating Bethlehem. Incidentally, I did want to tack on uh, to Rosalie's, uh, the poem she read, and to her comments, the following paragraph from uh, a meditation by Martin Luther in this same anthology. Here it is. I would not have you contemplate the deity of Christ, 
the majesty of Christ, not that he denies it, incidentally, but rather his flesh. Look upon the baby Jesus. See how God invites you. He places before you a babe in whom you may take refuge. Here is the child on whom is salvation. To me, there is no greater consolation given to mankind than this, that Christ became man, a child, a babe, playing in the lap and at the breast of his most gracious mother. Mm. Now has overcome the power of sin, death, hell, conscience, and guilt. If you would come to this gurgling babe and believe that he came not to judge you, but to save. Oh. Wow. <laughs> gurgling babe. Gurgling that, babe. Isn't uh-huh. that wonderful? Beautiful. Uh, okay, so Dr. Reichen, and we have the book linked, Journey to Bethlehem, at the website. Click through today's information there at chrisfabrylive.org. I had Michael Card on, on Monday, and at the end of the program, I said, what's your favorite poem or hymn? And he mentioned In the Bleak Midwinter. We didn't get to talk about it, so afterward, I recorded this little video with him, and one of the first things he said was that In the Bleak Midwinter casts this the birth of Jesus in kind of a suffering mode that he was born into, you know, put in a cattle uh, trough in a manger. He was born suffering and continued that throughout his life. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. I don't see the poem as primarily about that, but it is certainly uh, congruent with what uh, Michael said. So tell me a little bit about what you take from In the Bleak Midwinter, and maybe read that for us, too. Yes, I want to do that. Uh, The primary lesson of the poem is humility, modeled on the humility of Christ. Um, There's quite a lot going on in the poem, so let's go through it. The opening stanza situates us not at the first nativity, but in our own world, and particularly if we have had experience of winter, of Christmas at winter, as I have growing up on the farm in Iowa. Here is the opening stanza situating us in any cold climate, but not the first nativity. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago, I think that's primarily a symbolic landscape, a world of harshness, the world that Christ came to redeem. Then we have three stanzas that contrast the grand and the humble. And again, I say the primary lesson of the poem is humility. It's not that the poet, who incidentally was a towering figure of uh, Victorian poetry, Christina Rossetti, not that we deny that grandeur accompanied the birth of Jesus. But this poem is exists to praise the humble. So the grand is there as a contrast. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. Okay, that's the grand. We're not denying it. In the bleak midwinter, parenthesis by contrast, a stable place sufficed, the Lord God Almighty Jesus Christ, a stable was sufficient, enough for him whom cherubim worship night and day, enough for him breast full of milk and a manger full of hay, enough for him whom angels fall before, the ox and ass and camel which adore, 
And then a, th- a third stanza contrasting the grand and the humble, which sufficed. Angels and archangels may have gathered there. Cherubim and seraphim thronged the air. Contrast, but his mother only in her maiden bliss worshipped the beloved with a kiss. That was sufficient. And then we have a really great final stanza of application. It's um, phrased as a question and answer and at the same time a problem and solution. The question is, well, what provides an adequate gift then that we might give? What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb, a big gift. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. I would bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. (laughs) So this poem celebrates the humble heart as an appropriate, as the best gift that we can give to Christ. Wow. Rosie, what do you say? That just brings tears to my eyes. That was a wonderful exposition. I will slavishly imitate it next year in a devotional. (laughs) It's beautifully done. (laughs) Um, You say in the, right after that poem, with this lesson in humility ringing in our ears, we think naturally of Philippians 2.8 and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So there are biblical allusions all throughout that, right, Dr. Reichen? Yeah, Yes, there are. And that characterizes most Christian uh, Christmas hymns. It's one of the chief delights of renewing our acquaintance with Christmas hymns. Yeah. What what goes on in your heart when you— because you've, you've taught that, you've read that hundreds of times probably, but— what goes on in your heart when you when you encounter it again? Do you see di- new things, different things? Yes. I have never tired of teaching the same works of literature. That complaint is sometimes made. It, it has never been a problem mm-hmm. for me. me it's like renewing acquaintance with an old friend. And yes, there are always new angles of vision or new experiences of the familiar poem that I have taught. Yeah. It's always fresh. Do you agree, Rosie? Oh, I completely agree. I, If a person is bored with their material, it's because it doesn't mean that there isn't occasionally something you change up. But if they're bored, it's because they have not come back to it uh, again to look at it. Amen. I wonder if that's not why, you know, when I watch, I hear about somebody doing a Broadway play, you know, or a play – uh, year in and year out, the same one. If they wouldn't, if the if the actors or the singers wouldn't say the, the performers wouldn't say the same thing. There's something in there mm-hmm. that I'm not just not singing the words. I'm interpreting this mm-hmm. night after night for different people who are in front of me, and that's where the freshness comes from. I, I wonder if that's not true. I think it is. I, I, it's why yeah. students make something new for you every year, too. Mm. They bring some—I'm sure Dr. Reichen would agree—they bring something to it, too. Yeah. Yes, but a work of literature can be so great that even if in, I'm reading it privately, I'm never bored by it. Never. Yeah. All right, let me have you do one more, and we're going to go to a hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus by Charles Wesley. Why is this one included? It's included, well, let me say that every entry in my anthologies, whatever the subject, brings something unique to the table. So uh, there's always 
something that a, a specific poem has that the others don't. Let's go through this uh, hymn also. It is a prayer, a corporate prayer. It is easy to misread the first line, so let me attempt to um, steer my listeners away from that. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, is not an invitation for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. It is an invitation that Jesus will come and be born in us. This poem is a prayer that Jesus will perform what he came to earth to achieve in our lives. So let's see how that works out. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. That's an opening invocation in the grand style, incidentally. Well, here's the petition. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Then, continuing to pray to Christ, but from our own moment in history, a stanza of adoration. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation joy of every longing heart. And then we end with uh, two prayers of petition. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. Now the petition, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. It's a meditation on the incarnation and why Jesus came to earth. And the prayer is that all of this will be achieved in our own hearts and lives. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which echoes Rossetti in what she was saying at the end, what can I give him? You know, if I were this, if I were that, but I can't, I'm not. What can I right. give him? I give my heart. You're, uh, you're doing the same thing here. Wesley is leading us to the same thing, Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a parallel text, and I had not noticed that. Yes. <laughs> That's really good, Chris. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't I feel special now? That, the other thing that I was I was looking at is the word reign. We don't use the word reign, R-E-I-G-N, born to reign in us forever. Uh, not just born to reign as king of kings and lord of lords and every knee shall bow, but born to reign in, in my heart, in my life. Mm-hmm. That'll Amen. Rosie, that'll set oh. you back, won't it? <laughs> yes, I, I love that nuance. That's, it, it is to rule us completely, to be in us as a king, not just as an, a, a, a universal king. Yeah. Right. Uh, Rosie, anything else that you saw in there as Just Dr. The Reichen was reading? delight of seeing text, uh, exposition of text. And I hope that for the audience, this shows them the beauty of reading something carefully because it changes everything. Yeah. Um, and so at each ent- on each entry, at the end of each entry, you go back to Scripture and you say, for this— this hymnic poem is a meditation on why Jesus came to earth in the flesh. Zechariah's song recorded in Luke 1 does the same. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Uh, that's from Luke 1, 68 and 69. Mm-hmm. So with each of these, with the poems and with the hymns, you give us the the biblical basis behind, or that at least that you see, not necessarily what the author was, you know, had, but what you see as you read the poem. Is that right? 
It, yes, and I want to credit my editor at Presbyterian and Reformed, who is the one who requested that I end all entries in my anthologies, and I carried this over for Crossway also, with a Bible passage that codifies it. Hmm. Initially, I just went along with it because I was asked to. I found that when I reviewed my anthologies for radio interviews, I found that the concluding Bible passage was the appointed consummation. It was the high point yeah. for these entries. So yeah. it, was, it was a discovery. It's a gorgeous book, and it's, uh, it's, it's green for the season, Journey to Bethlehem, a Treasury of Classic Christmas Devotionals. And I wanted to have you on here just for a segment with us, Dr. Riken, to, to plumb the depths with you of just those two. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, it was a great pleasure. And if you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, and click through today's information, you'll see a link to Journey to Bethlehem, a Treasury of Classic Christmas devotionals right there. Click uh, Chris Fabry at chrisfabrylive.org. Click through to today's information. Now we're going to continue with Dr. Rosalie de Rose, and I have a lot of people who have responded on Facebook to that question that I asked about the phrase of the hymn or the song or the poem that is memorable to you about Christmas. As a matter of fact, when I asked Rosie this, what is the, the phrase that you said that always comes to you? Do you remember what you told me? When her? half spent was the night. I don't That's know it. why I when think of it, and it makes that. me tear every time. It's such a different way of putting it. It's a poetic way of putting it. When half spent was the night. Okay, here's the number, 877-548-3675. We're going to talk about more poems, and you can get involved right now. This is Chris Fabry Live on Moody Radio. Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Merry Christmas from all of us at the back fence. We just heard from Dr. Leland Riken uh, reading from Journey to Bethlehem. Dr. Rosalie Day Rose is with us. We do this every year. We have so much fun getting into the texts of poems and hymns and songs about Christmas. And Rosie mentioned just before the break this phrase from a hymn. Tell me again, what is the phrase? <laughs> the phrase is, when half spent was the night. And that is from Lo How a Rose Are Blooming. And I wish I had the text here, but I didn't expect to be asked that. <laughs> well, so. I am I am at your service right here, friend. <laughs> um, Lo, comma, how a rose air blooming from tender stem hath sprung, mm. of Jesse's lineage coming as men of old have sung. It came, a flower bright, amid the cold of winter, when half spent was the was night. The night. Oh. <sighs> now this one, this translates it or changes it to when half gone was the night. I, I like, like half spent. spent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the second verse, Isaiah, twas foretold it, the rose I have in mind. With Mary, we behold it, the virgin mother kind. To show God's love aright, she bore to men a savior when half gone, half spent was the night. And then the last, this flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air. And doesn't that uh, oh. image also the, oh. as the yeah. women came to prepare his body, uh, you mm -hmm. know, after he had mm -hmm. died. 
This flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. Mm. True man, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us and lightens every load. Oh. I mean, there are so many in that song. Yeah. yeah. When half spent Bent was the night. The night. Um, you brought a couple of other poems before I go to our phone calls and before I go to uh, Facebook. There's one here by Aquinas that mm-hmm. I wanted you to go into. Tell me what Thomas wrote. Light of lights, all gloom dispelling, thou didst come to make thy dwelling here without our world of sight. Lord, in pity and in power, thou didst in our darkest hour rend the clouds and show thy light. Praise to thee in earth and heaven, now and evermore be given, Christ to art our sun and shield. Lord, for us thy life thou gavest, those who trust in thee thou savest, all thy mercy stands revealed. And it just, it first, it presents so many contrasts. You know, it assumes that there was nothing in this world where there was any vision at all. But the light came in and it dispelled the gloom. And we all know what that's like to come into an area of gloom and to have light that dispels it. And it does so much for you. And and that's without our world of sight. And in pity and in power, look at the contrast, in pity. Mm -hmm. And, of course, pity in Christ is never that kind of thing we feel for a sick dog. Pity for Christ, he always took action. It was never idle. It was full. Thou didst in our darkest hour rend the clouds and show the light. I have personally in my lifetime never been in a culture that is darker, and I feel it every day of my life. Uh, I'm not depressed. I'm just saying I feel. I live in her city. Mm -hmm. I feel the darkness of the culture. How can anybody not who's a Christian? But in that darkest hour, he rends the clouds and shows his light. And then, of course, it moves to adoration, uh, to the Christ who is our sun and shield. That's our light and our protection. And that came through the giving of his life, which leads to our trust and our full confirmation of his mercy. Oh, such richness mm-hmm. there. It's like we're wading into this uh, sea of of beauty, of literary yes, beauty yes. and words, right? Yes, And you have to pay attention to the language. We skip over it. We think it's familiar, but these words are meant to grip us, and that's where it renders. We have to get off our telephones. (laughs) I can't do a program without saying that. (laughs) And look at the language. Yes. And you can't, well, and get get away from the screen, too. You know, I've got a hymnal in front of me because of that. And because Angela called in Indiana. Angela, what phrase or what words do you want to give us today? Yes, hello. Thank you for welcoming me on your show. Um, Who is he in yonder stall? Mm -hmm. Love it. And why did you choose that one, Angela? Oh, it's one of my favorite hymns. It's um, poetic. It's gorgeous. Um, the one that I like, the version that I like to listen to is by the Collingsworth family. I don't know if you know them. I've heard of them. Yeah. Yes. And they just sing harmonizing and it's beautiful. Is there a particular, uh, verse that stands out to you or just the whole thing? 
Well, the whole thing, um, it starts with the yonder stall, you know, Jesus in the manger, and then it culminates to him taking us to heaven, if I remember it correctly. Yeah. Uh, and I can't see you, Rosie. Do you have, life. you don't have that in front of you. Do I don't you? have that in front okay. of me. No, I'm right. sorry. So who is he born in the stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Who is he in deep distress, yeah. fasting in the wilderness? Tis the Lord. A wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him Lord of all. Second is, who is he? The people bless. So it begins the uh, born in the stall. Who is he in yonder stall where the shepherds are? And then it takes you all the way through Gethsemane. Lo, at midnight, who is he? Praise in dark Gethsemane. And then who is he upon the tree? Dies in grief and Mm -hmm. agony. Who is he that from the grave comes to heal and help and save? (laughs) Who is he Mm -hmm. that from his throne rules? There's that reigning thing again. Who is he that Mm -hmm. from his throne rules through all the world alone? Tis the Lord, the King of glory. So that takes you from birth all the way to Mm -hmm. to glory. What do you think, Rosie? Oh, the progression, I don't think I had ever noticed it that closely. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful song that we don't hear quite as often as we used to. But I understand exactly what she's saying. And then uh, what is the last verse of it? That What did you say? The last that verse She mentioned, is, uh, who is he? Uh, that it takes us to heaven. Heaven, um, yeah. Who is he that from his throne rules mm-hmm. through all the world alone mm-hmm. uh, to help heal and save just before that? But that there is that that sense of... From the beginning of uh, his birth, he was headed toward the cross and the grave and the skies, yes. right? Yeah, so it's a complete story. Yes. Angela, I'm glad you called today. Thank you for uh, for calling us. And I'm going back to my Facebook page because there was somebody who <laughs> said something. Yeah, Tamara, this is the phrase. And you, you sent me this yesterday, Rosie. Mm-hmm. Tiny heart whose blood will save us. Welcome to our world. That's the phrase that she remembers and and thinks about. What do you think of that one? Tiny heart whose blood will save, the contrast, whose blood will save us unto us is born. And that continues through, uh, that is, it's that sense of paradox and contrast all the way through that song, which is welcome to our world. Is the name of it brand new to me? I just heard it at a Christmas concert and was very taken taken with it. And I think because it feels like it has everything to do once again, as I say, with the culture that we live in today. Bring your peace into our violence. Mm. Bid our hungry souls be filled. Word now breaking heaven's silence. It, we we think the heavens are silent at this time. The word is there continually breaking into it. Welcome to our world. Fragile finger sent to sent to heal us. How can a fragile finger mm. heal us? Tender brow prepared for thorn. Look at the contrast. Tiny heart and yet whose blood will save us. Unto us is born. And then the, those last lines, so wrap our injured flesh around you. I sit there and I think, you know, we feel so injured sometimes. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel as though sometimes it's a very ugly world. That doesn't mean there isn't beauty in it. But, but the way the culture has become, we wrap our injured flesh around you, breathe our air and walk our sod, rob our sins and make us holy, perfect son of God. Welcome to our world. I use that uh, phrase 
just about, you know, anytime I give the gospel or talk about the, the truth of the gospel, it is Jesus. Jesus did not come to judge you. Jesus did not come to tell you, you know, do these 10 things and you'll be okay with me. Jesus came to rob our sin. He came as this thief to take away our sin and to mm-hmm. let it uh, hold over the guilt and the shame is not no longer held over us because he has taken it on himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the people who think that Christianity is, oh, you are the, the goody two-shoes, you know, you're the good people who think you do everything, or you toe the line and you do those, you know, the 10 things. No, no, no. He's the only one. We, we do, do not have any righteousness of our own. It's his that he gives to us. And he takes that sin away. I, I you know, <laughs> that rob our sin. I keep coming back to that because it's so true. It, it is. Well, we have some uh, some other folks who've written on uh, Facebook that I want to, and if you want to call us, 877-548-3675. But these phrases uh, from Facebook, I am just enamored with. So thank you for responding there. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll find out more about the program and uh, about us. There's a, a CareNet, green CareNet button that you can click there. I'll tell you more about that straight ahead. And there's more. More with Rosie, straight ahead on Moody Radio. I mentioned CareNet just before we took a break, and there's a green button at chrisfabrylive.org. If you are pro-abundant life, like CareNet is, you're going to love their long-term strategy because saving the life of the unborn baby is the first step. There's more to it. The, the pro-abundant life ministry of CareNet goes into the church. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, eight, and as a matter of fact, they started the Church Engagement Initiative to empower local churches to offer compassion, hope, help, and discipleship to those who are considering abortion who are either in their own congregations or in that community. So CareNet, you know, if if uh, somebody throws at you or somebody else who's pro-life the accusation, you only care about the baby until they're born, that CareNet is pushing back on that. Because what they want is for that abundant life to happen in the life of the woman, in the life of the man, and the life of the baby as well when they come into relationship with Christ. Someone you know needs or will need the ministry of CareNet. Find out more. Click the green button at chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. Dr. Rosie Day-Rosé is with us today. I'm going to read you just a few of these, get you to react. Uh, I mentioned what Tamara said. Daedra says, Christmas isn't Christmas till it happens in your heart. And I don't know what that's from, but I know I know the sentiment. You know, Christmas, there it doesn't have the same meaning until you open your heart and prepare him room, right? Right. I, I, I was just thinking the other day how much I long to feel more. And it's it's not because I'm a shallow person. It's because the the incredible stimulus of the world and honestly technology and many other things. When Christmas comes around, it's so hard to 
pause and let it come alive. And I've done much better this this year, uh, probably because I'm working less for one thing, but also by being intentional about, about reading Advent readings and going to the best of concerts, which I've been to two or three, to, to make the beautiful words of those classic pieces come alive in my heart. And I have more anticipation of the of of the joy and the reason for it as a result i feel it a little more deeply i would like it still to be stronger but that's absolutely true it sounds like such a cliche but it does has have to happen inside of us yes. to be real no it's, it's absolutely true the hopes and fears of all mm. the years are met in thee tonight uh. <laughs> isn't that great oh the hopes and fears you know the older you get i think that line means a lot more and I think about all the hopes I've had throughout my life, some of which never came true. Uh, and then the fears, which I think increase as you grow older. Some go away, but some increase. And yet they, when they are met in him tonight, mm. they become his. I mean, that's one of those lines that brings tears to your eyes unbidden. And yes. I've always paid attention to unbidden tears. I've been reading a novel that was set in the near the Civil War, and this one, uh, Janet says, Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Longfellow. We did that last year, remember, because of yes. the movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, and there's another one. No, I got it. The Weary World Rejoices. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I, I, I'm not in any way disparaging youth because youth is a wonderful time <laughs> and it's a time from which you recover and become older. But, you know, the weary world, we are in a weary world. We are in a weary world and yet it can still rejoice and we need to be reminded of that because of Christ. The child that you delivered will soon deliver mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. from Mary, did Mary, you know? Mary, did you know? Um, how many kings stepped down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me, all for me, all for you. Mm -hmm. Isn't that good? No. I hadn't heard that one before. No, I haven't heard that uh, one. That one's new to me. God and sinners reconciled. Mm. They're just, <laughs> they're just lines that stand the test of time, and you Where remember meek them. Where souls will receive him still, mm. the dear Christ enters, enters in. in. I'm just, I'm letting this. You said wash over your yeah, soul. Yeah. I mean, these are taken out of the context of the places, the poems and the hymns. But our listeners are are putting their finger on a nerve. Mm -hmm. There's there's one story that that Dr. Riken has led us to that you that Aquinas led us to. There's a poem by C.S. Lewis. I think you've done this here before, perhaps some years Why don't you ago. Go go to Lewis before we end today. Yeah, and this is a simple poem. Lewis isn't known for his poetry necessarily, though he so badly wanted to be, but he isn't. But this is a this is it has a kind of a humor in it. Among the oxen, like an ox, I'm slow. I see a glory in the stable grow, which with the ox's dullness might at length give me an ox's strength. Among the asses, stubborn I as they. I see my Savior where I looked for hay. In other words, all of a sudden I see my Savior when all I've been looking for is what I need, you know, food. So may my beast-like folly learn at least the patience of a beast. Among the sheep, 
I like a sheep have strayed. I watch the manger where my Lord is laid. Oh, that my buying nature would win thence some woolly innocence. It's just charming. That is what the, it's called the Nativity by C.S. Lewis, read by yours uh, in, in, uh, adoration here today, Dr. Rosalie <laughs> de Rose. We talked about that. We've had Dr. Leland Riken with us. I think uh, that we go back to Lewis, but we also go to one other yeah. writer, Madeline Langle. Um, we we got to do that before we end today. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read it? We've done this every year, I think, that I've done this program, and I'm always taken with this part of it. This is called After Annunciation. This is the irrational season, when love blooms bright and wild. Had Mary been filled with reason, filled with reason, there'd have been no room for a child. And when I think of uh, your announcement about CareNet. Yes. I mean, reason is what's dictating things, and it's human reason, and it's destructive, and it's murderous. And here is this child. Had Mary been filled with reason, there'd have been no room. For a child. And I think about that, you know, the scene when Mary walks in and in utero, John the Baptist responds mm. oh. to, you know, <laughs> yeah. and wondering in this world, it's almost like uh, we're even throwing science out the window too, you know, when is, mm-hmm. when is a baby a baby? When, when is a, a child a child? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, I used to think that if we could see the the ultrasound, if anybody could see the ultrasound, they'd say, "Well, there, you know, I could right. see." And now, even even though the you know the blob of tissue and all that kind of stuff is still around, it's right there in front of us, but we're blind to we're it. Blind oh God, to it. open our eyes! And and that's where I you know go from the culture and cursing the culture and the, those who say there's a blob of tissue, and I look at my own heart, yeah, and I say how much of the of the hay have I been looking for, and I've missed him. I do the mm-hmm. same thing, oh, and you know, in, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Rosie, thank you. Thanks for being you. Oh, it's always wonderful to be on with you, Chris. It's a privilege. And Merry Christmas. You, you come too. back, okay? <laughs> All right, friend, now it's your opportunity. Go and, and read some of these poems. Maybe get a copy of Journey to Bethlehem by Dr. Leland Riken. We have a link there at chrisfabrylive.org. Or open a hymnal. There's always a section of a hymnal where those Christmas songs are and begin to ruminate over those and to see the lengths to which God went to convey his love to you and me. And come on back tomorrow. Got a great program idea for you. Hope you'll join us for Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.